The following program is a paid advertisement. The views reflected on this show are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000. Doctor? 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 You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. And hello again, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. My name is Steve Cashel. I'm radio host of the Chicago Bulls. In a few minutes, I'll be joined by my co-host, Dr. Brian Cole, head team physician for the Chicago Bulls and co-team physician of the Chicago White Sox, sports medicine specialist, orthopedic surgeon from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush and Rush University Medical Center. As always, we're going to talk about a number of sports injury-related topics. We also have our website. Please visit sportsmedicineweekly.com. We're back to get it going right after this on ESPN 1000. That's one way to end up on injured reserve. So is... Falling off a ladder, lifting something heavy. Ow! That's not good. Or having an accident at work. Uh-oh. Athletico helps all kinds of people come back from injured reserve. Schedule a free injury screening at athletico.com and find out how physical therapy can decrease pain and discomfort, increase strength and mobility, and help you get back to doing the things you love to do. Athletico Physical Therapy. Better for everybody. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. Back here on Sports Medicine Weekly, net proceeds from our show, Sports Medicine Weekly, go to support orthopedic research at Rush through the LiveActiveNow.org fund. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Nick Verma from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, subbing this week for Dr. Brian Cole. Dr. Verma, thanks so much for, uh, for being with us. Um, I want to ask you, you're a specialist in the uh, shoulders, elbows, knees. Do you ever see hand injuries? Yeah, we do, Steve. We see them pretty frequently. And, um, you know, we've gotten very specialized in what we do in orthopedics. As you said, myself and Dr. Cole, we focus on sports medicine, so shoulder, elbow, knee injuries. But the hand really is a unique organ in of itself. For example, in the White Sox baseball uh, coverage that I do, we see a lot of hand injuries related to repetitive bad impacts, taking fall balls, uh, fall, ball, fall balls off the hand, et cetera. Um, so it really is a specialty unto itself to keep the hand working and keep us inter- interacting with uh, the world around us. Let's bring on our next guest. Uh, she is a certif- certified hand therapist and also an occupational therapist from Athletico. They do such an outstanding job. The website, of course, athletico.com. Let's bring on Nicole Coppola. Nicole, how are you? And uh, one thing that uh, we wanted to talk about here as we approach the holidays, you know, smartphones usually listed as the top gift, and this year with the release of the iPhone X, uh, no exception, and with the use of smartphones, uh, believe it or not, people don't think about these things, but you get tech-related injuries called tech-thumb, resulting from un- unnatural movements like constant texting. They're on the rise. And uh, Dr. Verma, this, this jumped out at me. Uh, young adults spend a staggering one-third of their waking hours on smartphones. It's you amazing. believe that, right? Well, having two young adults at home of the age who are able to use smartphones, it certainly doesn't surprise me because you can't get them off those things. Yeah, so let's bring on Nicole. Nicole, can you describe symptoms and uh, a little bit more, uh, you know, demonstration through the radio, so to speak, on the joint protection exercises and what tech thumb is. Sure. Uh, tech thumb is, is nothing new for therapists and for physicians. You know, we've seen this type of injury for a long time. It just kind of depends on the cause. So what we're seeing with the technology is that people are re- using their thumbs in a repetitive motion and that they're using them in a very small range, what we call range of motion, or the actual degree of movement that they're performing. And this is causing an overuse tendonitis that we've seen um, for many years in other areas, but it's obviously related to more of the tech use these days. And when you talk about tendonitis, uh, maybe, Doc, you can touch on this. You know, how serious is that and how do we treat it? Yeah, so tendonitis is, is uh, an injury that occurs at any part of the body. And, and as Nicole pointed out, it, in most cases it occurs as a result of two processes. Number one is overuse, and number two is degeneration, which unfortunately we can't get away from as we get older. And so when we're doing something on a repetitive basis, particularly with the amount of uh, texting and use of a smartphone, the way that we depend on it now, um, it's, it's certainly um, not uncommon to see that people start to have hand pain related to that activity just because we do it so much. 
So, Nicole, how do you take care of people at Athletico when you see a tendonitis injury? You know, we, we give them a couple of steps to go ahead and address their issues. So, one, we want to really rest the, the area, rest the tissues. Um, so, oftentimes, we will uh, put them in a splint that's going to immobilize them. Um, but we don't want to immobilize them completely because um, science tells us that tendons actually feel better when they're moved. And that's how we provide, um, you know, circulation and nutrition to the tendon during the healing process. So we advise people to come out of their splint a couple times a day and do a couple of specific exercises that can help with the nutrition and the healing process for this tendonitis. Um, those would specifically be um, some things like what, what I like to call the Miss America wave. I think it, it's pretty self-describing. Um, so, you know, moving the hand from side to side like a windshield wiper or like your Miss America waving to the crowd. That's one of them. Um, and we do this in a pain-free range so that we're not irritating the tendon, but that we are actually uh, just creating some circulation and some movement for any swelling to go ahead and move out of the area. Another one that we do with our patients is to have them do a thumb tip touch. So just touching the tip of each finger with your thumb and then moving it, the thumb back out to the side to reposition and restart that tip touch again. This will, again, help move the area, give a little bit of circulation, and um, we do all of this within the pain-free range. Um, the third recommendation that we make for people a lot is that we have them, instead of texting with, the thumb, with both thumbs at the same time, we'll have them use the index finger as a stylus. Um, if you ever see me on the L, I personally do this. You know, I look like the, uh, the old lady using just the one finger, but um, it's, while it slows me down a little bit, it helps save my thumbs um, and helps keep the pain away as well. You know, at the end of the day, Nicole, it's, it's probably like uh, all of the other overuse injuries that we see. The, the, the easiest answer is the most common sense one as well, which is you got to stop doing the repetitive activity, at least for a period of time to allow it to heal. And that's unfortunately the hardest thing that we deal with, particularly in, for example, our runners and our swimmers, where really for them, the activity that they're doing is a part of their life. It's a part of their mental health as well as their physical health. And it's hard to get people to, um, to back away from that even for short periods of time. So I would guess that one of the recommendations that you make for people is that they just try to limit the use of their phone to essentials uh, until the symptoms res uh, resolve. Absolutely. I think rest is key here. Visiting with uh, Nicole Coppola from Athletic. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Nick Verma sitting this week for Dr. Brian Cole at Sports Medicine Weekly. Uh, before we let you go, Nicole, uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, what a certified hand therapist does. So we are hand, we are specialists in the upper extremity injuries. So we see injuries of the shoulder um, down to the hand. It includes the elbow, the wrist, and the fingers as well. Um, and it's a a specialty of occupational therapy. Um, the certified hand therapist has gone through advanced training um, and they've passed a, a pretty challenging exam um, and they have at least five years of experience in the field. And Dr. Nick, uh, when do you send someone to Athletico to see a certified hand, hair, uh, certified hand therapist or an occupational therapist? So, you know, we use them primarily for our elbow and below injuries. And I think what people um, sometimes uh, don't recognize is the complexity of the hand, right? And so if you think about, well, I've got a finger injury, um, whether that's your thumb or your index finger or your small finger, your pinky, so to speak, I mean, all of these uh, fingers are treated differently, potentially for the same injury, just based on the different uses that they have within our hand it's, uh, itself. And so that's why um, it's really important that when we have an injury to the hand or we have an injury to the elbow, uh, because these are the way that we interface with the world, um, that, we, that we actually use uh, specialized or trained therapists who understand the way that we've got to rehab uh, the hand and the, and the specific individual digits to get back function and allow people to go back to what they like to do. And Nicole, I want to ask you another question before we let you go. Uh, how long should someone use one device, like a phone, tablet, a gaming device? Uh, what's your suggestion on that? 
we usually say limit yourself to about 20 or 30 minutes in any one activity. So this goes, you know, for being on a computer, being on um, gaming, being on any kind of uh, phone device or, or iPad as well, some kind of tablet device. Um, this will just kind of force you to get up, move around, do something different, use your joints in a different way um, to avoid that repetitive use and the overstraining of, of those structures. I guess, Dr. Verma, we're always talking with Dr. Cole about just constant movement, right? I mean, and, and you know, different than, you know, when you're typing on a phone, that can, you know, you can, I can see a little tendonitis setting in if you overdo it or whatever, but it just, you know, when I think about playing golf, my, you know, sometimes I don't, I don't play for a week or two, and then you're, you come out your hands, I always say the fingers are like sausages, you know what I mean? Or, yeah, and I think the key, the key, Steve, is it's constant movement, but it's not repetitive movement. Yeah. So, so you want to keep yourself moving, you want to keep your hands working, but you don't want to be doing the same thing over and over and over again. And, and I think uh, a good point that Nicole made earlier is that we're fortunate in that as technology advances, we now have so many ways to interact with our devices. You can do it via uh, voice, you can do it via using your finger to write out a word, you can do it via typing, you can plug in type uh, keyboards to these devices. And so I think the key is to try to, um, if you are tied to a device based on work or other uh, activities is that you try to vary it so that you're not doing the same thing over and over uh, throughout the day. Yeah, sometimes I tell you, I don't like typing out long text, you know, and it's it's kind of bothersome. So, Tedious. yeah, when I can do the voice command thing, it's great. And, and then I'll just kind of proofread it, you know, and go, go in where I need to, you know, spell check it myself. Yeah, but uh, that that's great. I love that, uh, that, that facet of it. Hey, Nicole, thanks so much for joining us uh, from Athletico. Again, the website, athletico.com. They do a marvelous job and uh, appreciate everything. And uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks, Nicole. Thank you, Steve. I just wanted to mention, you know, if anybody starts having these aches and pains and wants to get an eye on them, we do offer a free screening service, and we'll be happy to go ahead and take a look at anybody and see if they need further medical attention or therapy intervention. Yeah, that's something Athletico I know is, uh, is kind of famous for, the, the kind of the free injury screening uh, in that, right? Absolutely. It's something that, you know, we want to make sure we're providing service to the community and getting people into the right hands, like Dr. Verma's, to go ahead and address any issues that they may be having. Yeah, take advantage of it. More information, athletico.com. Stay with us. More of Sports Medicine Weekly after these messages on ESPN Radio. Feeling tired, sluggish, and overweight? If you're looking to lose weight and gain energy, join us in Karen Mulkin's 14-Day Transformation Cleanse. You're going to absolutely love this Whole Foods cleanse. You'll feel great, lose weight, build lean muscle, improve sleep, boost metabolism, and enhance athletic performance. This VIP done-for-you cleanse comes with a 14-day transformation wellness bag containing MCT Lean Vegan Protein Blend, fat-burning MCT Lean MCT Oil, snacks, superfoods, recipes, guidelines, videos, and other surprises. You will absolutely love this program. Sign up at 14daytransformation.com. That's the numbers 14daytransformation.com or visit Karen's website at karenmulkin.com. That's K A R E N M A L K I N.com. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush is nationally recognized as a leader in comprehensive orthopedic services. As team physicians for the Chicago Bulls, Chicago White Sox, and Chicago Fire Soccer Club, their physicians understand the importance of quality care for high performance athletes and weekend warriors. Regardless of the level of the athlete, recreational, high school, college, even professionals, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush strives to provide the highest quality, state-of-the-art healthcare services. To better serve their patients, they provide expert care across five Chicagoland locations with a new location in Munster, Indiana. Their cutting-edge research, diagnosis methods, and treatments make them the highest-ranked program in the state of Illinois by U.S. News & World Report rankings. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit them at RushOrtho.com or call 877-MD-BONES. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, when only the best will do. Allosource's products help surgeons get their patients back into the game of life. Prochondrex, the latest solution from Allosource, is an innovative, cost-effective, fresh cartilage allograph designed to restore cartilage and restore movement. To learn more about Prochondrex, visit Prochondrex.org. That's P-R-O-C-H-O-N-D-R-I-X.org. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly on ESPN 1000. 
Back here on Sports Medicine Weekly, Steve Cashel and Dr. Nick Verma. Dr. Verma sitting in this week for Dr. Brian Cole. Dr. Verma, of course, the head team physician for the Chicago White Sox, sports medicine specialist, orthopedic surgeon from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, specializes in shoulders, knees, and elbows. And uh, I want to do this segment, Dr. Verma, about uh, young boys and girls, baseball, softball players, and she kind of specializes in that. Off-season training, you know, and I always relate it to my two boys. I got two boys, 13 and 10, 8th grade, 5th grade. They play, uh, the older one plays travel hockey, baseball, basketball, football, younger guy, uh, baseball, basketball, football, uh, both pitchers, one a lefty, one a righty. Uh, they played between them 85 games in the summer and travel baseball. A lot of games, they pitched a lot of innings. Sometimes I was a little nervous because it was too many innings in those tournaments, but they shut it down now. What do you suggest for people of that age, the little leaguers, even the high school kids, you know, they get done playing, let's say, some play fall ball, but is it okay to shut it down until, I want to shut it down to the first of the year with these guys and not throw it all. Is that a good thing? Yeah, the first thing, Steve, I, I would just want to commend you on the fact that, um, you know, you're, you're letting your kids be kids. And the biggest problem that we see is that by 10, 11, 12 years old, we've already gotten to the point where they're a baseball player and they're just a baseball player. And, you know, we've gotten away from these three-season athletes where kids play basketball in the winter, they play baseball in the spring, they play football um, or potentially soccer in the fall. And that's the way that most of us grew up. And, and uh, I think what we're seeing is that with this trend towards singular uh, specialty at such an early age, uh, their bodies and their growth and development are just not ready to handle that type of a repetitive load for 12 months out of the year. And uh, as a result, we've seen our injury risk spike. So I think first and foremost, uh, the, the most important aspect of that question is there's got to be an off season. You can't be, you can't be a baseball player 12 months out of the year because you're going to burn out your arm fairly quickly. And so I think the key is for us, we think about somewhere between three to four months of the year, um, where kids are away from a baseball. Um, they can be doing batting. They can be doing fielding work. But particularly for our pitchers, they just shouldn't be throwing 12 months out of the year. Well, that's good. And uh, I want to ask you also, uh, what's the youngest you ever did a uh, surgery on a baseball pitcher? You know, we, we see it as, as young as 11 and 12. And, and really? uh, one of the issues, the biggest issue that we see, and, and the large difference in terms of the types of injuries we see in, in the younger athletes versus the older athletes, is that they're still growing and developing. So you and I and uh, pretty much anyone over the age of 18 in, in boys, we don't have growth plates anymore. And growth plates are, are weak links in the body. And when we, um, when we have growth plates that are, that are undergoing load on a repetitive basis, uh, the biggest problem we deal with in, in uh, young baseball players is growth plate-related issues. So they get little league shoulder, which is basically a, a, a hairline-type fracture within the growth plate of the upper arm. We see little league elbow, which is essentially a, a hairline-type fracture in the growth plate where the uh, Tommy John ligament, the ulnar collateral ligament, uh, occurs. We see um, actual fractures through the growth plate of the Tommy John ligament. Um, and we see compressive loads on the outside of the elbow that create a problem called uh, OCD or osteochondritis dissecans, where they actually, because of the repetitive loading, will shear off a piece of bone and cartilage from the uh, outside portion of their elbow. So it's a very unique situation in, in the growing and developing child where, again, they're just not ready for that type of load at that age. How is a hairline fracture in the growth plate treated? Does that just repair in itself? It does. It's just rest. And so, um, you know, I think one of the key uh, metrics is to recognize that, um, Unfortunately, pain goes along with baseball to some degree. We did a study at Rush um, probably three or four years back now where we just took surveys of uh, Little League uh, players, so up to about the age of 15 or 16. And what we learned is that during the course of the season, about 50% of them will say that they have pain. So pain is part of throwing. But the, the key is, and I think you even mentioned to me that you, your kids had sore elbows during the year throwing yeah. 85 innings. 
But the key is recognizing when pain is becoming injury. So when we see pain impacting performance, where they're not just sore the day uh, of throwing or the day after throwing, but they're sore for the next two, three days. We see that they're having trouble with velocity. We see that they're having trouble with uh, pitching the ball. They're not using their arm for their day-to-day activities because it hurts them. That's a sign that something's going on, and you've got to recognize that and act on it rather than ask them to continue to play through it. And what about strengthening the arm okay I mean can can a player do that to try to uh, gain more velocity yeah so one of the biggest controversies that we see in um, in uh, overhead throwing or pitching right now is this weighted ball programs right and there's a number of different for-profit um, programs that are out there that that say that they're going to add anywhere between uh, two to five miles per hour on uh, onto your uh, max velocity or your pitch speed there's there's a couple issues that I think number one is uh, we should get away from using the the radar gun in young kids right it's it's not a, a speed game until we get to a much more developed age and a much more competitive level of baseball and I think this emphasis on kids trying to match a radar gun or hit a certain number on a radar gun uh, only leads to increased risk of injury so I, I think for most of our kids I'm going to say under the age of 16 even up to the age of 18 we should not be focusing on the radar gun the way that we do now. Um, secondly, is I think that uh, where weighted ball programs have been tested and used is in the adult athletes. So it's been primarily used in the, in the uh, college and the amateur level, um, uh, minor league level throwing athlete. There's been no data that suggests that a weighted ball program works or is safe in, uh, in a skeletally immature athlete. And so right now I would tell p- uh, parents that it's probably not the right idea to go to those programs for their kids who are under age of 16. Wow. Do the major league players, your White Sox players, ever use a weighted ball? Um, so it does get uh, get used in, in baseball, but the difference is I think that by the time you get to the professional level, you're kind of self-selected out, right? You already have the velocity that, that you need to be successful. Um, you've already proven that to some degree you're durable in terms of the fact that you made it through um, uh, a high school and oftentimes a collegiate program. So I think to, to, to look at what our major league guys do and, and extrapolate that to a younger athlete just doesn't work. So, you know, for example, if we look at outcomes of surgeries, um, Outcomes of surgeries are universally better in a major league player than in an amateur player. And to some degree, that's probably counterintuitive. But the reality is that they have the talent level such that they can compensate for some anatomical deficiencies that you're just not going to get away with um, when you're a younger player. And so I think there's a danger when we start trying to extrapolate what works in a major league player to, to these younger kids. Wonderful stuff. Dr. Nick Verma, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, head team physician for the Chicago White Sox. I'm Steve Cashel, back with more of Sports Medicine Weekly after these messages on ESPN Radio. I've been having knee pain for quite some time and did what probably a lot of people do. I just ignored it and hoped it would go away. After a month, I couldn't take the pain anymore. I went to my family orthopedic. He told me that I needed physical therapy. When I received my prescription for therapy, the first thing I did was search PT companies online. I came across ATI Physical Therapy. It's close to home, has some great reviews, and when I called, they verified my insurance and scheduled me right away. No wait, everything was so easy, and the staff was great. They kept my doctor informed of my progress along the way. Honestly, I look forward to going to my appointments. ATI made me feel like my recovery was their most important priority. I'd recommend them to anyone needing physical therapy. The experience was something I'll never forget. To learn more about what it's like to be a patient at ATI Physical Therapy, visit ATIPT.com and start your journey to get back to your best today. ATIPT.com Midwest Orthopedics at Rush is nationally recognized as a leader in comprehensive orthopedic services. As team physicians for the Chicago Bulls, Chicago White Sox, and Chicago Fire Soccer Club, their physicians understand the importance of quality care for high-performance athletes and weekend warriors. Regardless of the level of the athlete, recreational, high school, college, even professionals, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush strives to provide the highest quality, state-of-the-art healthcare services. To better serve their patients, they provide expert care across five Chicagoland locations, with a new location in Munster, Indiana. Their cutting-edge research, diagnosis methods, and treatment 
treatments make them the highest ranked program in the state of Illinois by U.S. News and World Report rankings. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit them at RushOrtho.com or call 877-MD-BONES. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, when only the best will do. That's one way to end up on injured reserve. So is falling off a ladder, lifting something heavy. Ow, that's not good. Or having an accident. At work. Uh-oh. Athletico helps all kinds of people come back from injured reserve. Schedule a free injury screening at athletico.com and find out how physical therapy can decrease pain and discomfort, increase strength and mobility, and help you get back to doing the things you love to do. Athletico Physical Therapy. Better for everybody. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly on ESPN 1000. Back on Sports Medicine Weekly, our producer today, Sean Davis. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Nick Verma, subbing this week for Dr. Brian Cole. Our website is sportsmedicineweekly.com. And net proceeds from our show, Sports Medicine Weekly, go to support orthopedic research at Rush through the liveactivenow.org fund. Dr. Verma, we're going to get into a little um, topic here of, uh, of sleep, okay? Lack thereof. We all feel like we never get enough sleep. The young kids don't like to sleep. I can't wait to get to sleep at night sometimes. You know, your body feels good when you sleep. Let me ask you, as you're the head team physician for the Chicago White Sox, do you guys talk about sleep with your players? Is that a nutritionist thing? Is it a, a team physician thing, a team trainer situation? You know, it's it's clearly one of the uh, major emphasis points we have during the season. It's it's something that we discuss on the medical side with the uh, trainers, the strength and conditioning coaches, um, and really even the managers, for example. You know, they've got to be able to schedule enough time in with the with the travel schedule that we have going on, players traveling to different time zones, all of the distractions that exist now with um, video games and other things that players like to do. So it's it's a constant emphasis from all aspects of um, of uh, management down to the medical staff to make sure that we have players staying on top of getting enough rest. You know, I traveled with the Chicago Bulls for, for more than five years um, back in uh, the last uh, Jordan season, the last championship season, then a few years after that. Um, and these guys always took naps, you know, except for Dennis Rodman. He wouldn't take a nap. He went to work out, and I often saw him in the workout center. I was, I was on the big nap guy. But um, you, you find the White Sox players, uh, you know, maybe waking up after a night game, having some breakfast, and then uh, trying to find that nap before they go to the ballpark that night? Absolutely. And, you know, as you'd already talked about, the for them, they've got different start times, so they play in afternoon games, they're playing evening games, they're playing in a West Coast time zone, an East Coast time zone. So I think the key is to, to, to try to normalize your sleep patterns as best you can given the limitations of uh, and the grueling professional baseball season. Well, let's bring on our next expert. Uh, he is a physical therapist and senior regional director with ATI Physical Therapy, 18 years of clinical experience specializing in treatment, outpatient orthopedic and sports medicine injuries, as well as chronic pain and post-op uh, care. It is uh, Todd Sayer from ATI. And, Todd, thanks so much for, for joining us here on Sports Medicine Weekly, uh, making sure that uh, people keep up with their sleep. I'll start with this. There's a lot of common knowledge out that people apply, but... From your experience, what's something you feel most people could do a better job of, or is there something you don't focus on enough when it comes to getting a good night's sleep? Yeah, hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. appreciate it. Um, that was a great question. And uh, like Dr. Berman said, there's a lot of common knowledge out there when it comes to sleep. Uh, in my experience and in my practice, <clears throat> one of the things I don't think they focus on enough, uh, like you mentioned with the with the Sox and with the Bulls, I'm sure they do all go to sleep. They need the rest. That's when a lot of, uh, you know, when we go to sleep, that's when growth and repair occurs. And uh, for you and I, Steve, I'm pretty sure that's just repair these days. Uh, maybe those guys are still growing. But at night, when you put yourself in the best position possible and in a supported position, the most supported position you can put yourself in, that, that is something that I think people um, try to do or kind of gravitate towards but don't naturally do without, uh, without some awareness training. You know, I think a lot of people sleep on their sides or they, they kind of gravitate to a natural position, but they don't necessarily use pillows or, or other things to support themselves in the most comfortable position. The easiest way I kind of explain it to people, and it's kind of hard to do this on the radio, but if you take like an index finger and bend it over backwards to a point where it's a little uncomfortable – 
Um, at that point, you know, it's not necessarily painful, but if you were to hold your finger in that position for an extended period of time, you know, it would obviously hurt a couple hours later and you, your finger would be telling you to move from that position. Well, the same kind of thing happens when you go to sleep. And when you go to lay down, you're obviously not defying gravity anymore. You're not, uh, you're not upright, you're not standing, you're not sitting. So when you lay down, it feels better than doing those things, which you've been doing all day. So you get this kind of acclimatization period where it feels comfortable, allows you to go to sleep. But if you're not in the most ideal kind of supportive position, eventually your body's going to want to keep kind of tossing and turning. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily set your body up or an athlete's body up for the best possible chance to repair itself during the night. So that is something that, you know, it's commonly known, but not necessarily uh, the nuances of it aren't understood to the degree that they could to maximize sleep. Todd, one of, the, one of the things that, you know, I take care of a lot of shoulders, and one of the things that we see is that sleep disturbances is one of the reasons that a lot of people come to see us in their office. They've got a, a shoulder problem. It's nagging. They can put up with it during the day. But when it's waking them up at night, uh, they're coming into your office because they're unhappy. Their spouse is unhappy. They can't do their job. They can't be productive. Talk to me about what you recommend to patients who are recovering from surgery or injury, maybe with regard to a shoulder or with regard to a back. What are some advice you give them when they're, when they're in your office for therapy in terms of how to get the best sleep during the recovery phase? That's an awesome question, Dr. Verma. I'm really glad you asked it. Um, the shoulder is definitely a tricky one. I think the research shows that I think 41 or 47% of all, uh, all people kind of sleep on their side, and that is a big problem, especially for that downside shoulder. Um, and, and especially with your, you know, obviously your dominant arm, that downside shoulder sits in a compressed position all night. It's not ideal. Um, when you go to sleep, there's kind of some principles you want to abide by. And one of them is just be in a neutral position. So you want all of your joints, your hips, your knees, everything in a neutral position, which I think is natural for people. But when you go into that sideline position, that downside shoulder is not in a neutral position. In fact, it sits there and gets compressed. And that's really, really difficult to get around. Um, and it's painful for people that not only have had surgery, but people that, you know, uh, have shoulder pathology or, you know, or have possibly a, a rotator cuff tear that they haven't diagnosed yet. They just have a lot of pain. So the one thing I do that I teach when I get around this, and this works actually really well, um, is not only are you using pillows under your head, obviously, and you're, you're putting pillows between your legs as people naturally do sometimes, but what I've found to drive success to decompress that downside shoulder is to take a small kind of travel pillow or a toddler pillow that fits from the space underneath your downside shoulder kind of to your hip. So it doesn't necessarily fulcrum your body or displace your body. It's not so uh, disruptive that it kind of displaces your body, but it fills that space a little bit uh, that exists where your shoulder is, and it decompresses that downside shoulder and alleviates a lot of that compression. That, in combination with either just kind of quarter turning to onto your backside and putting the pillows behind you for support to decompress that shoulder, that works really well as well. And those are the things I teach on that. And this is for people generally who can't sleep on their back. Obviously, sleeping on the back on your back is the best position if you have any shoulder discomfort at all. It's actually the best position to sleep in. So. Our guest is Todd Sayer from ATI Physical Therapy. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Nick Verma talking about life changes. Make sure you keep up with your sleep. And, uh, Dr. Verma, do you, you get that a lot? I mean, when you see your patients and maybe they're coming off of a surgery uh, and they're sleeping uncomfortably? Yeah, it's notorious. I mean, again, shoulders are the most common area. They just can't get comfortable. They're waking up uh, every hour or so. And uh, after about three or five, five days of that, people are miserable. So the... the, the um, advice that Todd gave us, I think, was really helpful. The one thing that uh, I also tell patients, especially after a shoulder injury, is to sleep slightly inclined. So if you put your head of your bed up about 30 degrees, it's almost like a lazy joint position. I think that decompresses the shoulder and oftentimes makes people much more comfortable. And Todd, uh, what about the mattress? How important is the mattress? Uh, something that we always think about, you know, what's the right mattress for me? And there's a lot of new technology out there, isn't there? There is. I would say this about the mattress. I think it is too often kind of pointed to as the culprit for a lot of sleeping issues, and people always want to switch up their mattress. I mean, the mattress is definitely important, but I think when it comes to, like, the positioning is way more important. And as you start to understand how to use pillows for support, 
the mattress obviously just needs to be firm, but it just needs to be consistent. Obviously, if it's old and it's and it has, you know, it's, it's wilting in the middle or it's kind of losing its stability, as long once it stops kind of providing that stable, consistent surface, then it starts to can start to displace your body and put yourselves into those positions that I talked about at the beginning. But I think too often people go to that. It's got to be the problem when they really haven't investigated, you know, all the other things and all the parameters that go on with trying to create a good night's sleep in that position. I think just teaching people the positioning I found drives a lot more success. You know, for me personally, uh, you know, I go to sleep and wake up in the same position once I started using kind of these, these guidelines. So I think the other thing that really helps is uh, not only the physical side, but mentally getting yourself ready to sleep. That was a problem for me for a long time is you spend a day in the OR You've got intense concentration ongoing. You come home, you're going through emails, you're working in your bed, turn off the light and you try to go to sleep and your mind's still going, you know, 100 miles an hour. So I think really setting yourself up, learning to relax, turning off the uh, the screens for a half hour before you go to bed, uh, getting yourself into a relaxed situation, that's really worked for me in terms of becoming a better sleeper. Absolutely. Great stuff. Uh, Todd Sayer joining us from ATI Physical Therapy. Of course, the uh, website, ATIPT.com. Todd, thanks for joining us on Sports Medicine Weekly. Thanks, Todd. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. All righty. Have a good night. Yeah. And we're back with more of Sports Medicine Weekly after these messages on ESPN Radio. Allosource's products help surgeons get their patients back into the game of life. Prochondrex, the latest solution from Allosource, is an innovative, cost-effective, fresh cartilage allograph designed to restore cartilage and restore movement. To learn more about Prochondrex, visit Prochondrex.org. That's P-R-O-C-H-O-N-D-R-I-X.org. I'd been having knee pain for quite some time and did what probably a lot of people do. I just ignored it and hoped it would go away. After a month, I couldn't take the pain anymore. I went to my family orthopedic. He told me that I needed physical therapy. When I received my prescription for therapy, the first thing I did was search PT companies online. I came across ATI Physical Therapy. It's close to home, has some great reviews, and when I called, they verified my insurance and scheduled me right away. No wait. Everything was so easy, and the staff was great. They kept my doctor informed of my progress along the way. Honestly, I looked forward to going to my appointments. ATI made me feel like my recovery was their most important priority. I'd recommend them to anyone needing physical therapy. The experience was something I'll never forget. To learn more about what it's like to be a patient at ATI Physical Therapy, visit ATIPT.com and start your journey to get back to your best today. ATIPT.com. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. That's all the time we have for this edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. Many thanks to our coordinating producer, Teresa Ann Seeger, our board operator, producer, Felix Reyes, as well as David Cole for operating our website and doing our business side of Sports Medicine Weekly. For Dr. Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cashel. Thanks for listening. Talk with you again next Saturday at 830 for another edition of Sports Medicine Weekly, only on ESPN Radio. The preceding program was a paid advertisement. The views reflected are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000. 